Welcome to the Cultivate Network Podcast, where we're digging in, digging in on Christian living, leadership, and church planning. Here are your hosts, Jamie Couch and Anthony Waters. I've enjoyed this Overlooked, the Backroads of the Bible series so far. And, uh, you know, we've, we've come to the point to where it was your turn to preach again. <laughs> you preached on a Ethiopian eunuch named Abimelech. Abimelech was a unique guy. And what the Lord used him for and what the Lord did through him, this willing vessel, this no good Gentile, this thrown out, no good, throw in the towel, you'll never be nothing, no good. It's amazing what God did mm. through using this man. And that's why I like this overlooked series that we're in, These the little knowns in the Bible, these unknown characters that we come in contact with as we read the scripture. It's interesting to see how God takes the something that we would consider very foolish, but yet God uses it and he confounds the wise. Mm. I love how the word always mm. backs itself up. So Abimelech, and I like how you titled the sermon as he was the radical. He obviously was a radical guy. He was a radical. So let's look at the let's look at the backstory of Abimelech. He was a eunuch in the king's court, so he wouldn't have had no right really to even spoke in the king's court in any way, shape, or form. He was just a servant yep. inside the court. All right, and he saw what happened to the prophet Jeremiah. He knew what Jeremiah was going through. And Jeremiah at this time, and we all know the story of Jeremiah. He's one of those prophets that we have heard a lot about, the weeping prophet. In all the years of his ministry, really not one saved, but he had a he had a burden that the Lord had placed upon him. At one point, Jeremiah even said, "You know, I've tried to hide Thy word in my heart, Lord." But I felt that it was as a fire shut up inside my bones. I had to say what you wanted me to say. And, you know, we, we see this and we see the heartbreak that Jeremiah truly had. And it, it, truly the weeping prophet, how truly true that he is. But it's amazing how in the midst of this pit that he found himself in, that there was one that the Lord was still working on, this Gentile man named Abimelech. Mm. So Abimelech, uh, you know, and Anthony, I, I too have really enjoyed this have this been, this yeah, series, and, and and I think we're just getting started to be honest with you because there's so many little known stories and events and characters in the scripture that that we, you know, I'm guilty. I've I read my Bible and then just overlook and and, and just move on through, and, and you know, guys, we travel. I-75, I-95, whatever I's interstate is in your part of the world, <laughs> we travel the main roads because it's easier. It's more common, more familiar. We get from place to A to B faster. But sometimes the back road, you know, we find some beauty. And um, I think what we're finding here, we're digging out some of these really neat nuggets, uh, you know, w the characters that we, we may have known existed or maybe not. Or we might have known, not known the impact that these guys had and gals um, and the overall you know, context of the story of the Scripture. So Abimelech is, uh, is one that is a powerful character in the Scripture that 
just to be honest, I've preached about 20 years. I've been in the ministry and, and have overlooked Abimelech all 20 of those years until now, to be honest. And so this guy background, uh, Jeremiah was a prophet in a era where, um, Israel had, had strayed away from God, had, had really mixed in all sorts of things that were, that were trying to serve more than one God that were confused, turning on God's, God's law and his word and, and just all. So Jeremiah spoke truth, an unpopular truth in this era and this time. And the, the king and the people, they rejected the truth. And uh, Abimelech, as Anthony just shared, was an Ethiopian eunuch uh, at, at this time. And uh, he was an import from Ethiopia. For the, it was in this country for the purpose of serving, right? He was a servant. Hmm. He wasn't a, a, a figure of authority. He wasn't an advisor. He wasn't a prophet. He was a servant in the, in the court, and he was there for that purpose and that purpose alone. Now, a eunuch had actually now this is going to get graphic here so it's you know, graphic. this is this is this <laughs> is P, this is definitely not just PG13 this <laughs> no, may be rated graphic. R uh, uh eunuchs were castrated yes uh, which means they could not but bear a family uh, Bimelech's hope of a future and a family were gone and uh, uh, by all rights he should have uh, you know just given up on on hope and why would he care about Jeremiah why would he care about Israel at all he was a servant an outsider a Gentile um, and for those of most of you who may may need to, a little bit more background on what a Gentile is um, at this point in time in the historical context of the scripture, a Gentile was an outsider and not included in the promise of God. So, so as God's word was going forth, this guy was outside of, of the promises of God's word. So what, what we find here and Anthony, I'm going to, I'm going to just f- finish out the, 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 the event at a high level yeah. real quick. And then you, let's start drawing some of this truth that we could actually apply. So we don't want to just tell a Bible story on here, guys. We want to be able to, to bring practical application so that you can live out, right? What, what, what the lessons we're learning in this background story. So the the back in back in Jeremiah chapter two, we find where Jeremiah prophesied and, and he said this for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me and the fountain of living waters and they have hewn for themselves cisterns having broken cisterns which cannot hold water. So, so there Jeremiah spoke words directly to the king, directly to the people, and said, you've hewn yourselves cisterns that cannot hold water. Now, what is a cistern? This is important because Jeremiah is going to end up in a cistern in just a minute. And so a cistern is basically where all the water from the gutter of the drain goes down into to collect like a reservoir. And so you, you imagine the street right? It rains and the water goes into the gutter of the street. It goes down the street and then down a hole, and then it goes down into the cistern. And then if they ever had a drought or an issue, they could go down to the cistern and, and, and gather some of the leftover water. Now, mind you, this would have been garbage water. This would have been whatever water hit the street. Uh, it would have, it would have rolled through whatever trash or, uh, animal feces that was on the street and it would roll down to, into the cistern to be held and contained. And um, 
over time, the, the, the parts of the water would settle to the bottom and the good water would be at the top and they would draw off. And so, but the long and short is, um, Jeremiah spoke in all the way to Jeremiah 38. That's 36 chapters later. Jeremiah prophesied destruction. He, he told the king that Babylon was going to come in and they were going to overtake this, this city and um, that everyone would be, you know, it would be destroyed and Babylon would take over. And then all of a sudden the king turned on him and they placed Jeremiah. Where did they place him? In a dungeon translated it was a cistern so pick pick up there anthony and finish out the what what happened next yeah so they put him in this dungeon and then they came in and they had the cords and they lowered him down into the dungeon and the bible says that he sunk into the mire because there was no water there so the mire of course would have been all that filth that would have ran off from the street it would just been kind of like a clay like a mud just been absolutely horrible imagine the smell oh i'm sure it would just been hideous and they lowered this prophet of the lord and put him into this dungeon into this miry pit and they left him there to die and that's that's the rest of the story now here's where we kick in to find obimelech poor obimelech here we go and this is pretty cool jeremiah 8 and 7 now when Abimelech the Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs which was in the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah in the dungeon, the king then sitting in the gate of Benjamin. Now when Abimelech the Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs, was in the king's house, and they heard that they had been put in the dungeon, the king was sitting there. Abimelech went out, saying in the king's house, and spake to the king, saying, My lord the king, these men have done evil in all they have done to Jeremiah the prophet whom they have cast into the dungeon. And he is like to die for hunger in the place where he is, for there is no more bread in the city. You know, I think one of the things that amazes me about the story is Abimelech's courage to speak as a eunuch, as a servant of the king. He would have had no right to have spoke in the presence of the king. He would have had no right. In all, by all rights, when he spoke, he could have been killed. Mm-hmm. He could have been killed. But he spoke with boldness for the servant of the Lord. Now, that's amazing. But at the same time, for the king to acknowledge him mm-hmm. and say, you know, <clears throat> you're right. You're right. If you can't see the hand of God and the favor of the Lord in that story, that's just pretty amazing. Just how God had ordained this and how God had set this one aside. And like you said, him being a eunuch, this is the end of his line. I mean, this was it. When he passed, there was there was no lineage, no heritage coming up. I mean, it was it was it. There was. As you said, it was there. If you really think about it, he would have had no hope. He wouldn't have had any hope of, of a better tomorrow or anything. I mean, he was a eunuch. He was a servant to the king. Mm-hmm. And this was his lot in life. This is how he saw this. But yet he had boldness in himself to step up and say, this ain't right. Mm-hmm. This is not right. And he spoke out to the king, and the king acknowledged him. And now it's pretty cool what happens next. Well, that's one of the things I jotted down, Anthony, as a, as a learning point for me, is is Abimelech's here, his his courage was, was birthed through a burden. Yeah. And his burden for a stranger. Yeah. And because there's no recollection in the scripture that, that Abimelech and Jeremiah had an acquaintance at all. No. Yep. But but he his burden for a stranger was greater than his fear of death. Oh my goodness. And it's like that that's big. That's that's like it's huge. And this guy was not a man of of that we can read a man of faith because no. he, he was outside the promise of God. Yeah. 
So another thing too is as as he developed this courage, right? I mean, just <laughs> radical, radical. Because you you don't approach a king, nope not not in this day in this era. If you're not called on to speak, you don't speak. You lose your head if you do. That's right. And this dude had such a burden that he did it. But then another thing here too is truth. I jotted down this that truth don't require titles in order to be told. Yeah. And you know, Abimelech didn't have a title. But yet he had the truth. When yeah. everyone around him was was singing a song, he when they were all zigging, he he had enough burden that he said, "I'm going to zag when everybody else is zigging." <laughs> you zig, but I'm going to zag. You, you, you go ahead and zig all you want to, because <laughs> I'm going to go against the grain and speak the truth, whether I have a title or not. Because truth don't need a title to be told. That's awesome. Truth don't need a title. I think a lot of times we don't want to focus on truth, and we would rather focus on title. No. That, I think that's a big problem that we have in the world as a whole. I don't, not just the church, but in the world as a whole, we love titles. Oh yeah. Oh man, everybody loves a title, but the truth will, uh, truth will stand when the world's on fire. Yeah, right? Sure will. Whew. Don't need no prop. No, definitely not. Uh, and I love, I love another saying that you had there, and that is. Uh, he didn't put Jeremiah on the prayer list. <laughs> and he did. He risked his life to speak up for him. It's so true. He didn't say, well, bless God, he's in trouble. Let's put him on the prayer list. Maybe God in his gun favor will heal him. He spoke up. Well, that's what 99.9% oh. of us would do. We would we would, lip service. We would, we would lip service. We yep. would probably say, yeah, oh, yeah, let's pray for him. <laughs> yeah, like a, let's, yeah, let's put him on the God prayer list. Lord. Lord, I just hate that for Jeremiah. <laughs> he's he's got it rough right oh, now. Oh, this dude showed up. He showed up. Yeah, he didn't just whisper a prayer for him or ask God. Nope, he said, "God, I tr-, you know." He he just showed up and said what needed to be said, and you know that alone. And and I remind you, he's on the outside of faith here. Yes, he's on the he's outside on the out- of it. God never told Abimelech if you do this. Oh, no. No, no. I'm no. going to fast forward real quick to the end of the story. I'm going to come back to this point. <laughs> Abimelech was saved yeah. from the destruction that Babylon brought to this, to this nation at the end of the story. God did not tell Abimelech, if you approach the king, that you're going to be saved from the destruction that you heard Jeremiah talk about. <laughs> That's so he cool. didn't have no deal with God. No. But no. he still, knowing that he didn't have a future, knowing that he had nothing to gain but everything to lose, he hadn't, what did he have to gain by saving Jeremiah? By, by Nothing to gain, but everything to lose. Yes, he had everything he to lose. He knew that his, his, he didn't have a future, but yet he, he, he did the right thing. The integrity of Abimelech doing the right thing, knowing that he wasn't really going to get anything out of it. He wasn't going to get a trophy or a medal or, a, or even salvation or anything, anything out of it. Guys, that is integrity. And I think that if we as Americans and we as believers, we in our own family can learn to do the right thing, even though we know that we may not get the benefit or see any trophies or medals or recognition and you know what maybe we're going to be on the back road and not 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 on the mainstream and they won't even remember our name well guess what are you still going to do the right thing i I ask you this question right now are you still going to do the right thing this week at work or school or wherever you are even though nobody knows and you have nothing to gain from it Mm. And, and 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 even though it may cost you everything to do the right thing that you're going to do that's a tough one, but that is 
big boy integrity and faith that I pray that I could I could follow after Abimelech in this way. Man, we could all step up and do that. Hey, the right thing ain't always the popular thing. Or the easy thing. Oh, my goodness, no. Because, like you said, he had nothing to gain, but he had everything to lose. I mean, the moment that he realized that he was going to speak up, he knew right off the bat, man, I could be killed by doing this. But it wasn't, that didn't matter because it was the right thing to do. He knew that it was the right thing. And this is the only guy that spoke up. Think about it. Of, of everybody in this land right now, of everybody that was around, nobody else cared. There was only one person that cared. That was it. Nobody else cared in any way, shape, or form. Uh, you wrote in here another one, another good one. His courage wasn't in the crowd or in the crown, but it was in his convictions. Mm. It gave him, he was convicted knowing that this was not right. It wasn't right what they'd done. He could not stand by and watch an innocent man be put to death in this way. To sit down there and literally, he would have starved to death. He would have, he would have completely dehydrated and he would have died of thirst. It would have been terrible. I mean, he was in a pit where there was nothing but muck and mire. I mean, he was sunk in a pit. I mean, probably couldn't even really move all that well because he was sunk into the mud and to the mire. I mean, literally, he would have sunk in and he would have just been stuck. Have you, you did the, uh, at Pulaski Park, you went and did the, the whole 5K thing where you ran through all the obstacles. Yeah, the mud run. And the mud run. And when you hit that deep mud, what happened when you hit it? You sunk in. Sunk in. You did your shoes come of off? Yep. Your shoe come off, right? Lost my shoe. Yep. And you, you, you had to oh, struggle yeah. to get yourself up out of it. Yep. Imagine in this man's shape, man. Imagine in this guy's shape. You know, you see Jeremiah, he's sunk. He's done, man. He's at the end of his rope. But it, but <laughs> one man didn't care about all the pomp and the circumstance. He cared to do what was right. So, that you know, that's a question for all of us, Anthony. What is our conviction? Huh. What is our conviction? And is our conviction, the so, is, is our courage sourced and resourced by our conviction? Mm-hmm. And if it's resource, if our conviction is strong enough, then our courage, our courage is doesn't regard the crown, nor the crowd. Yep. I'm going to say, if your conviction, if our conviction, if my conviction is strong enough in my faith in Christ in this world, then I will see no obstacle that is too great. I will see no crowd that is too great. I will not care whether I get support recognition honor or fame i will not be chasing the crowd nor the crown because my conviction is greater than the crowd or the crown that that is his spiritual integrity at its highest and i crave that i want my conviction to disregard crowd and crown and focus on the king king jesus which will be the source of my courage which means that i have perfect love which will cast out all fear and that means there's no obstacle too great for somebody that's conviction is rooted in the, in the Christ, Christ Jesus. So once this happens and we see all this that takes place, there's a shift that takes place in Abimelech's life. A shift. Funny, isn't it? Yeah. What was the shift? What shifted? He went from... He went from slave to commander. <laughs> he was promoted right before, right before, right before, and the king was probably like, "Why did I just give him authority? Yeah, why did I? What was I doing?" The king looked at him <laughs> and said, "Abimelech, here's thirty men. Go get him. So men follow Abimelech. Yep. So the very men 
the very men that put Abimelech in the pit, mind you, with cords, with ropes. Now, that's coming back. Remember that, cords yes. with ropes. They put him back in, down into the pit. And there Abimelech, a non-Israelite, a non-Jew, a, a, an Ethiopian eunuch, a lower-level slave, <laughs> was leading 30 trained military men down the streets, down to the cistern that Jeremiah was put in. And, and there he shifted from slave to commander. It's pretty amazing. And this is an amazing point is it's very possible that the same 30 men that put him in the pit, in the cistern, in the muck, in the mire, are the same 30 guys that are getting ready to get him out of there. Now it's time to look at what you were talking about a minute ago, cords. Compare cords to what he was let down with cords, but he came up with something different. Hmm. Something else happened. So what happens next? So as they were going down the street, I imagine the conversations, right? And these soldiers, they knew what they put him down there with. Could they, you, well, could you imagine as they're walking to the other dog, they're like, why are we following this Ethiopian unit? Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. what is happening here? Yep. What's going on? I could imagine the conversation like, 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 they were probably whispering among one another, don't tell them there's ropes. Yeah. Don't tell them there's ropes. Keep, yeah. Keep the ropes, keep the ropes out of this conversation. We're not going to be able to get him out of this cistern. He's huh. stuck down there and we're not going to be able to get him out. And then, and then all of a sudden, one of them probably suggests because what they used to pull him out was a bunch of old rags. Yeah. So one of them probably suggested along the way, I know what we'll do. We'll tell a we don't have anything. So we're just going to have to use old rags. So and it's gonna. They were setting Abimelech up to fail. Yep. So when we think of old rags that are used up, good for nothing, used rags are thrown out, man. They're just garbage and trash, thrown out. It's until what was on them, what they'd been used for, but they were just garbage and thrown out. Mm-hmm. But they were getting ready to be used for a greater purpose. How many times have we been used and abused and thrown out, and everybody gave up on us like there was no hope? No hope. No, there's, these are good for nothing. Good for nothing. Good for nothing. Hmm. It's amazing what God can do with what God does, something that's washed up. What they did is they took, they took, and they thought he was going to fail in this, mm-hmm. but he took these old rags, a pile of old, dirty, thrown away rags. Does this sound familiar to all of us believers who mm-hmm. were given up on by those around us and thrown out by the enemy and left for dead? Well, guess what they did? They tied the rags together. Mm-hmm. They tied them together. They, it, this sounds so familiar to me with a new, one of the New Testament epistle writings by the Apostle Paul, <laughs> which says that we are n- knitted together, yep. united together, tied together uh, with, with, with love and the Holy Spirit. So these rags were just tied together and, and lowered down into, down into this pit to pull Jeremiah up. Now you think about how that we are being united, uniquely stranded together, with a bond, a bond of charity, a bond of love, so that we too can reach down into the pit and help pull somebody out of the pit. So why are we being, you, you know, you, all of the stories, you, you imagine in your mind, Anthony, all this, this big string of rags tied together, and you see the different colors and the different shapes and the different smells and the different residue and the different tires and holes and rips and all of this string of <laughs> ropes. And then you look at the church. You look at us. That's exactly what we are. We're, we're imperfect at our best. 
Yeah. But then we, but we are tied together for a greater purpose than what we are individually. None of us, no one rope, no, I'm sorry. No one rag could have rescued Jeremiah. No, no one rope could have done this, but, Mm -hmm. but the, guess what? You, you uniquely stranded together, putting on display the, all their weaknesses. And the scripture said that in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. (laughs) And the beauty of that is those rags were as weak as they could be. But when they were tied together, you knitted together, they, they had a greater purpose than they ever dreamed. Maybe that rag was used for a purpose of cleaning somebody's uh, armpit. <laughs> Maybe that rag was used to clean a horse as a horse. Or I don't know what that rag was used for, but I promise you, I promise you this. I promise you that rag had a greater purpose this day than it ever dreamed it would have had. Definitely did. I agree. <laughs> Uh, but you know the symbolism there is so true because every one of us men and we always look at it as a as a puzzle piece and you know how we're all puzzle pieces in the beautiful picture of the church as a whole how we all are fitly joined together with god being the chief master builder of the whole thing and but how beautiful that is is that we all come together and i like what the bible says about a threefold cord that it's not easily broken yeah and if you look at the three, how symbolic it is of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, yeah. and how we are all knitly together and how He is that centermost part that holds us and binds us together. It doesn't matter our weaknesses, right. our tears, our scars, the filth that's on us because we were washed by the blood. Mm-hmm. And all of those faults have been covered by Him. Mm. So in my weakness, He is made strong. And in everything, and whatever the fault may be, whatever it may be, God binds it together. Mm. And he makes, he makes where there was no hope, he becomes hope. Where there was no cord to pull him out, he utilized what he had in front of him. He utilized the tools that were there Mm. to bind together to pull us all out. And that... This is what we're doing today. That's what the church's job is, is it not? Mm. We're we are literally yeah. we are nothing but a bunch of rags that are used for the glory of God. That's what we're used for to pull those up out of the pit today. There's no difference. This whole picture is exactly where we're at today in the church. We are all the church, the body of Christ. We are the rags that are bound together by the blood of Jesus Christ to reach down into the pit, to the mire, to the muck, to help pull out those that are lost, to tell them about the saving news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. Well, so think about this, Anthony. Two, 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 two truths to draw out of what you just said, and I love it. Is that number one? If if we're the row, if we're the rags tied together, fitly joined together for this purpose of reaching down into the pit, the rags have no power to pull anybody out of a pit. That's right. But now we can be attached. Attached. Okay. Okay. This 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 rope. I'm sorry. I'm about to. <laughs> no, this is good. Here. This this rope of rags. Yeah. Had two connections. It had a connection at the top of the cistern yep. with somebody on the other end of it. Mm-hmm. And it had a connection down in the pit, <laughs> wrapped around, wrapped around Jeremiah, who was dying and devastated. Yeah. So, but he had a, he, he was attached to the devastation and the destruction. And then also attached at the top by a divine power. Yeah. So us as a church are the rags that are connected at the top with Jesus Christ being our Lord and Savior and the, and the strength that helps pull up out. We're not pulling nobody out of the pit. No. We're just, we happen to be connected to the one who is. That's right. So as we reach down below, now now mind you, the church, 
can have all the display of all the beauty of the rags and be connected at the top. But I promise you, if we're connected at the top, we're going to be dropped into the pit. And if you're not being dropped into the pit, my question is, check yourself to be you're connected at the top. Mm. Because because there's two connections with the church. There's a connection down to the pit and yep. a connection up 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 to the master at the top. That's what it and should so be. And so we cannot do nothing of ourselves. We have no power of ourselves at all. So don't think too highly of yourself. You are a dirty rag. You know, <laughs> Isaiah said that our righteousness is filthy as rags. filthy rags. You are not as good as you think you are. <laughs> However, the one you whom by you serve. The one whose hand holds you, the one whose hand has dropped you into the pit. Don't you be afraid to get dirty. Don't you be afraid to put your hands around somebody who is at the rock bottom of life. And you, and it's not you that's bringing them up. Don't you get arrogant thinking no, you're no. doing some special thing, bringing them up out of the mm-hmm. pit. You ain't doing nothing. It's who's on the other end of you pulling you that's pulling them. And that is the power of God in us. And the other thing I wanted to draw out of that is this. Abimelech didn't give up because he didn't have the resources to enable him to do his mission. So many Christian believers today, so many people in the workforce, I don't have this. I guess I just can't do it until I get that. Well, I don't have, you know, I don't have a big lawnmower, so I can't start a mowing service. Bless God, get you a push mower and start (laughs) mowing some grass and earn your way into the other thing. Use what's in front of you to do what you're doing, and you then you will be resourced with more. See, or power to obtain more. I can't, I can't do outreach. I don't have a church that seats four hundred. Bless God, Jesus didn't need a steeple. He just needed a few people to do the work that he was doing. So, so guess what? Use what's in front of you. Don't wait till you have, I can't plant a church. I don't have a full-time salary. Give up on the full-time salary. Sign up for, sign up for, put an application in for a job and get on the boots on the street and move. (laughs) So what am I saying? I'm saying use what's in front of you. Don't wait till you have a rope. Use the rags in front of you. Don't overlook the rags in front of you. You use them. I know they smell bad. I know they've got a past. I know they've got issues. They've got holes in them, and they've got weak places in the joints. But if you tie them together and you use what's in front of you, then you'll, you'll, you will be blessed by God to accomplish a great purpose. But I didn't mean to get – I'm stepping down off my soapbox. <laughs> I don't really know what else to say. I mean, it's so true, guys. I mean – I like what Brother Jamie said. If we as the church are not connected from the top down to the pit, then we definitely need to check ourselves. There's so much truth in that. And because that's where we're supposed to be. That's our that's 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 our that's that's what the Lord commanded us to do. That's the commission of the Father. To go forth, go to the highways, to the hedges and compel, go to the pits. And, and, and bring the gospel and connect with the top and let the Father pull them out, using you as a vessel fit for the Master's use to be that vessel that He can work through to show them the love of God. Man, there's so much truth in that. And here's, the, here's the, what's so cool about it is would you have ever dreamed... Cause that's just that's a short that's a short chapter in the Bible that Abimelech's in right there. He's not mentioned again, really. I mean, we know that he comes out like you said. We, we see him come out, so he's not killed as they move forward. But at the end of it all, to see the richness in that, to see Christ in that, and I think that's what's so cool about this overlooked, the overlooked or the back roads of the Bible, uh, is that right there is to see how Christ is present. 
in every single aspect of it. Ain't it beautiful? Ain't it cool? Mm. That's cool. So as you read the Old Testament, as you read the New Testament, don't overlook these gems. If you come upon something, stop, listen, listen to the context, listen to the historical context, and try to find Jesus in it. Mm -hmm. And I promise you, you'll you'll start seeing Christ and, and, and... one of my one of my pastors growing up always said this that the Old Testament is a gun barrel, and and Jesus the the cross is the pin on the end of the gun barrel. If you don't know what that is, guys, you might have to look it up. But <laughs> but but there's a shotgun barrel and there's a little pin needle at the very end of the barrel, and that's what that's the target. That's what you're gonna. But 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 you have to look down the barrel to see the target to be able to hit the spot. But the old don't don't overlook the journey of 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 all these small. seemingly insignificant stories, but because they're not insignificant. I think that's the key. They're not insignificant. They're powerful and Jesus is all in them. So thanks for listening in guys. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully this, you you got some nuggets from this and there's so much more to unpack, but we did our best to unpack it all in about 32 minutes. God bless you and have an awesome week. Thanks for tuning in to the cultivate network podcast until next time. Keep cultivating.